Hello. Hello to the Shana History Podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. I forgot what I say here because it's been so long. <laughs> this is a this music is history um, podcast. <laughs> Take it away. No. Go, no, go no, for it. <laughs> no. Where I try and teach Mika music history and I am largely mm-hmm. unsuccessful. Because I have horrible memories. It's been a long time since mm-hmm. we've actually recorded an episode. It's been hi, several weeks. Hi, friends. Hello, podcast listeners. I mean, it's they, they had one not last week, but the week before. We're just so. So we're doing it every two weeks, sort of. Yes, on accident, but on yes. Accident. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be every week. because of my mental health and work schedule. Well, do you have a... Are you ready for your segment? I am ready for my segment. Okay. Back by popular demand, <laughs> it's no Mika's plugs. <laughs> hey, no, Jacob demanded it. Jacob, this is for you. <laughs> um. Okay, I would like to plug. Oh, it's Mika's plugs. It's Mika's plugs. I pl- just caught that. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said back by popular demand. I would like to plug... Um. I thought you said you were ready for this one. Crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I've had a bad week. And during my bad week, I kept just listening to and am still listening to um, an album that Bethel Music does. And it's called Peace. And it's a lot of some of their more popular songs, but in a very chilled out almost repetitive but in a a nice background noisy kind of way and like also a kind of like mantra way and like meditative way so I've just been listening to it whenever I'm listening to music and when I'm having a a bad time sometimes my brain just plays that and it's very encouraging and grounding and I have really really enjoyed it so thank you Bethel Music and also along the lines of Things helping my mental health. Great British Baking Show is back. <laughs> Yay! Did it ever really leave? I mean, there's a new season. Not in our hearts. Yeah. There's it's always reruns. It's always been here in our hearts. But that is also something very calming and very enjoyable. And so I really enjoyed that show, too. And finally, I'd like to plug oh, three plugs. This is cat. unprecedented. My cat Ajax. Only one of them, not the other one. Well, he's the one that's right in front of me, and he's his, just his laying tail is on the laptop. on my elbow. He's covering half of the laptop, so I'm hoping I don't need that portion of it. He likes sitting on the laptop. He's such a good boy. Well, not really, because I specifically told him not to sit on the laptop, and now he's sitting on the he laptop. He wants to be a part of it, though. So we're done with Mika's plugs, right? Mm. You had three of them. That should be enough. Yeah, I don't like anything else. Okay. Mika is no longer the host now. Mika is no longer the host now. Thank you so much for uh for Jacob to 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 show interest in what I have interest <laughs> in. Go check out his podcast. Do you know the name of it? The spaghetti policy. <laughs> What's your spaghetti policy? There you policy? go. Okay. Well, in our last episode. So we should tell them what What's Your Spaghetti Policy is about. Well, it's not really about anything, and that's kind of the point. 
It's just two guys talking. They're funny. Oh, also, I'm going to be on that podcast in yeah. a couple of weeks. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. I'm That's recording cool. with them on like mid-October. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. All right. Well, now you guys can listen to it before next year. And then you can... No, just listen to my episode. A, Nothing else. What a else. great addition he is and how boring it was before. I'm kidding. Okay. Well, what we talking about, Sir Nicholas? Do you remember what our last episode was about? I sure as hell don't. <laughs> it was only like two or three weeks I ago sure that we as recorded hell don't it. Don't remember it. It was doo wop. Doo wop, doo wada wada. And you found your new favorite band. Oh yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. What were they called? Something Brothers. That's remember. helpful. Well, they were originally like three boys and a guitar or something like that. Mills Brothers. What else do you remember about doo-wop? That's it. All right. Well, I'm not really going to tell you much about it. Just go back and listen to the episode again if you want to learn more. Today, we're talking about a band that might not have pioneered doo-wop, but they took it farther than perhaps any other group in history. The Temptations. Are you a Mario character now? It was more of like a Miss Frizzle, except for it was a Wii instead of a Wah. Okay. What do you know about the Temptations? I, I know their name, and I know I know some of their music, but I can't put the two together. Okay. So you don't remember any of their songs off the top of your head? No. Okay. Well, we'll get there. I'm sure you'll recognize at least one. I know I know the songs. I just don't know which yeah. ones. The Temptations are one of the most successful groups in American history. They were influential in both soul, R&B, and rock. Do you remember what R&B stands for? Rhythm and blues. There you go. They had their most success in the 60s and 70s, but are still influencing vocal groups today because their music is so iconic. And also, like, the 60s and 70s is a little bit beyond where we're at right now. We're in, like, the 40s and the 50s. Mm. But, I mean, I don't know when else we're going to talk about the Temptations, and I wanted to talk about them, so we just threw them here in doo-wop. We're going to do what we want. Exactly. Eddie Kendricks and Paul Williams sang together as children in church, which is how a lot of doo-wop groups started. As teenagers, they joined with some other friends and made a real quartet. Eventually, the group moved to Detroit from Alabama and became known as the Primes. This is going to be kind of annoying for you because there's a lot of names <laughs> that we're going to be throwing around. Why did they have so many names? Do you remember these guys, Eddie and Paul? I can. Okay, just remember Eddie and Paul. I'm Eddie only going to tell you the Paul. names of the people who are in the group. That way it's hopefully easier to remember. Eddie and Paul. Eddie and Paul. And they were in a group called the Primes. The Primes became really well known around Detroit, and Eddie became somewhat of a teen idol. Ooh. They were known for great performances. They were so popular in the area that their manager put together an all-female counterpart group called the Primettes or Primettes. As one does. Exactly. Gotta have something for the ladies. Three of the Primettes went on to form the Supremes, one of the most popular oh. groups of the 60s. I do Diana know. Diana Ross was yeah, one yeah. of those three. So Diana Ross started off as a Primette. That's a little rude to Diana Ross. What? Well, why? <laughs> you don't have to have a freaking carbon copy of a thing that guys are doing. No, but at least it, you know, got Diana Ross out there publicly. Mm. 
Everyone's got to start somewhere. And they start from a place that's not of sexism. At, in, at this point, in <laughs> the 40s and 50s, no. <laughs> Screw that. During this time, a teenager from Texarkana, Texas. Hey, that's <laughs> what my friend's from. She tries not to talk about it <laughs> and also represses her accent. This is the second person we're talking about from Texarkana, which is kind of <laughs> crazy. All the musical prodigies from Texarkana. Yep. Okay. So anyway, during this time, uh-huh. a teenager from Texarkana moved to Detroit to be closer to his mother when he was 10. He was always interested in singing and started a few different bands, but the one that stuck was named The Distance. The Distance scored a local hit in Detroit in 1959 with a song called Come On, which was written by Otis Williams and their manager. Is Otis the kid? Yes, Otis Williams is the teenager. He sounds angsty. All right. He called this thing The Distance. His mom was separated from him. It's at not the age of 10 years old. It's distance, like a noun. Not, well, distance is not, but D-I-S-T-A-N-T-S. Not like a far distance, like these people are right. distance. I don't know how else, to, no one uses that word, but, you know, whatever. He still sounds like Steve. <laughs> Do you want to hear a come on? Sure. It's not Otis Williams singing. It's vocals by Richard Street, who was a future member of The Temptations. Here is Come On by The Distance. I like it. Already. Yep, I like it even more now. It's very tenacious. That's a little Yeah, I know. It's all pining, I'm telling you. He's <laughs> an angsty kid. Yeah, that's fair. Better than the angsty music I was listening to at his age. Is it? Probably. All right, well, that's Come On by The Distance. Now you sing your angsty music. No. We might do a pop punk season. So. Heck yeah. <laughs> but I won't be singing. Aww. The Distance and The Primes became basically friendly rivals in the Detroit music scene. They were two of the most popular groups doing the same kind of music, so naturally they were going to be competing with each other, and they often played the same talent shows and public venues. I bet they fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is just Grease. No, that's not Grease. That's like Pitch Perfect. The Primes were known as the more vocally polished of the two groups. Otis Williams saw the Primes perform and was super impressed with Eddie's vocal ability and Paul's choreography skills. So Eddie and Paul are the Primes. What kind of choreography were they doing in the 40s? Just a little shuffle thing. Well, like They're the, just the typical like doo-wop. Yeah, like a typical doo-wop, like synchronized choreography thing. Maybe they're doing like the, the this whole thing. <laughs> it's more of the 60s and the 70s. Sure. You're going to have to describe it because this isn't <laughs> this like is wave, audio. Wave your fingers in front of your face. <laughs> and then it, that's that's what the late the primates the were primates. doing when they yeah. just do the whole thing where they're like cocking your hip out and bopping. And then you, you move your fingers in front of your face like you're all magic. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yes. That's a good way to describe no, it. That was good. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
real quick refresher. Eddie, uh, Eddie and Paul. Eddie and Paul. Do you remember their group name? The Primes. There you and go. They are vocally polished and do choreography. Do you remember the distance? What his name is? Otis. There you go. In 1960, one of the members of the Primes quit the band and moved to California, so the group disbanded. Such a shame for them. Eddie and Paul moved back to Alabama, while the distance continued to gain popularity in Detroit. Did they do Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> no, they did not do Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama in the style of doo-wop. <laughs> Someone make it happen. <laughs> so the distance continued on, and they kept, like gaining in a little bit of popularity but they never had another song as popular as the one we just listened to come on but they gained enough popularity that barry gordy noticed them and offered them the chance to audition for motown records am i supposed to know that name that that was my next question on my script here do you know anything about barry gordy or motown no well i think we're gonna do like a bonus episode on just on motown but Motown was like the premier record label for African-American musicians in the 60s and 70s. Mm. It exploded the careers of some of the best artists of the decade. Are any of these guys black? Yeah. The Temptations were all black. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so was Barry Gordy. I'm just going to Google Motown artists to just kind of give you an idea of who they had. They had Marvin Gaye. They had the Supremes, they had Diana Ross, they had Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, the Jackson 5. Okay. Yeah, so they were like the Miracles, Lionel Richie, like they were, Motown was big. And he also, Barry Gordy is the butt of a John Mulaney joke. What joke? He was talking about like how he, I forgot the context, but how he was like a wide-eyed little innocent artist who was like, Oh, you want to buy all my songs for $5? Where do I sign, Mr. Barry Gordy? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's conversation for another day. We're going to talk about Motown, but yeah, they're on Motown. Or they had the attention of Motown. I forgot. I I know Eddie, but I forgot the other one. Paul. Okay. Eddie and Paul, but they're in Alabama right now. Sweet home, Alabama. Yes. Otis and the Distance are auditioning for Barry Gordy. In Motown. Okay. But before they could audition. In Chicago. Detroit. Okay. But before they could audition, two members of the distance left, and the remaining three members lost use of the distance name. Oh, no. So now Otis, who was the band's leader, needed more people to audition for the group. Eddie from the Primes. Is this a movie already? Probably. It seems like a good plot to a movie. Predictable. Eddie, from the Primes, was back in Detroit visiting relatives when he decided to call Otis and just, you know, see what was up. Otis told him that he desperately needed band members to audition for Motown, and Otis offered Eddie the lead singer position in the band. Eddie agreed. Eddie agreed on the condition that he could bring Paul along with him. Can't leave his buddy, Paul. No. Otis and Paul both agreed to that, and they had the band set. Originally, they went by the name The Elgins. That's dumb. <laughs> but after auditioning and getting signed by a smaller imprint of Motown Records called Gordy or Miracle, I saw, I don't know which one it was, it was one of those, they changed their name to The Temptations. So now Is we it because they're hot? Sure. <laughs> oh, I was just wondering. So now we officially have The Temptations. And we know three of the members. Eddie... 
Paul and Otis. There you go. Woo-hoo. Now we don't have to worry about other bands. We just have The Temptations. The original group was the three remaining members of The Distance, which was Otis Williams. And here we got two more names. You ready for these? I mean, I already know the original three, so let's go. Al Bryant and Melvin Franklin. Those were the members of The Distance who, like, stuck Alvin. around. Alvin. No. Yeah. Al, well, I, if that's how you want to remember it, but it's Al Bryant and Melvin Franklin. You think I can remember two names for one person? So you're just combining them? <laughs> that's not it's how it works. It's one name for two people. You don't just get to combine <laughs> Al and Melvin. I just did. Fight me. And then also Eddie and Paul. And then I put in the script, there's been a lot of names, so I want to make sure we keep them straight. But we're on top of it, as I, long I as you remember. Up. I know what's up. <laughs> it's Al and Melvin. Not oh. Alvin. <laughs> Over the next couple of months, they released a... a quartet, so now <laughs> there you go. That no, solves that five. problem. <laughs> Always been fine. <laughs> okay. Over the next couple of months, they released a few different singles, but none of them really saw much success. One of them, called Dream Come True, achieved a little commercial success, but it wasn't, like, a massive hit. It was, like, used in the Target commercial, and <laughs> everyone knows it, but no one has it downloaded. Sure. Yeah. Do you want to hear Dream Come True? Yeah. Okay. Well, here is their first minor hit. Look at the boys. He has the dorkiest look on his face. I think that's Eddie. If I had to guess. Eddie looks like he saw... No, you know what face that is? What? That is Chris. I have to remember which Chris. I'm just missing this all the time. It's going in this year. I'm guessing that's Eddie in the middle. I'm guessing up here is Otis. That's probably Paul. Why do you know this? Well, I'm just going he looks the youngest, and Otis would be the youngest. This guy looks kind of like a bass singer, right? So that'd be Melvin. I'm wrong, by the way. Okay. I'm, I'm wrong. Also, you might be. You don't know if he's the bass. I don't. I just this is guessing. the Aziz Ansari face <laughs> from Parks and Rec. Yeah, that is true. 100% the Aziz Ansari face from Parks and Rec. We're done with this whole thing. It, it deserved the amount of fame that it got. Yeah, that's fair. Wasn't the best. Soon after, Al Bryant either retired or was kicked out of the group after oh he no. got into a physical fight with Paul. Oh, no. <laughs> During the, well, so now Al's out, so now your Alvin thing doesn't really work. It does. Because Al is out of the band. Listen, he left a part of him behind. (laughs) Yeah, the Vin part, because Melvin is still there. During the first few years at Motown, they were nicknamed the Hitless Temptations because they couldn't chart. But if you have a hit, it's on the list. What? The top the top list you have a hit yeah they didn't have a hit hit less yeah that's why they were the I hitless <laughs> hit list no they were the hitless temptations hit less temptations okay they recorded some solid songs during this time some songs that would become popular at live shows but none that sold well commercially so al the guy who left was tired of not being successful feeling restless and resentful 
and preferred his day job as a milkman. <laughs> More power to him, I guess. Simple life. Earlier in the year, he threw a beer bottle at Paul's head and then fought him on stage during a Christmas concert. So See, that's just... <laughs> I was going to say that's not in the Christmas spirit, it's but not. it kind of is in the yeah. holiday spirit. So at that point, they kind of had to fire him after you're like getting into a fight with your on band member stage. on stage. Yeah. He was replaced by a guy named David Ruffin. David? <sighs> <laughs> I can't do anything with that. Okay, so do you... Run through the list. There's five in the band currently right now where we're at. David. Yes. What the heck am I supposed to do with David? Just remember it. <laughs> Eddie, Paul, Otis. Marvin? Melvin. He <laughs> <laughs> was close enough. I would take, I'll take Marvin. <laughs> stupid Al. You're not stupid. He's wanted to be a milkman. Al did, yeah. Well, I mean, more power to him. Let him do what he wants to do. David was a musician originally from Mississippi, but he relocated to Detroit with one of his early bands. He was super well-connected in the music industry in Detroit. He was friends with Barry Gordy before Barry started Motown. So, like, early days. He worked with Marvin Gaye for a while, he played drums for a few bands, and he toured with the Temptations early on as an opening act. So the group knew him pretty well, and they knew his talent. So he was just kind of like an easy person to fit in after Al went back to delivering milk. This lineup, Otis, Paul, Eddie, David, and Melvin, are known as the Classic Five. They are the ones who sang most of the massive hits and launched like the Temptations nationally. So they're the important five. They're who we're going to primarily talk about for the rest of this episode. The Temptations had a long career, and we can't possibly cover all of it, so we're going to just focus on the Classic Five, because that's like what everyone cares about when it comes to the Temptations anyway. In 1964, they started working with Smokey Robinson, and that really changed their fortunes. I know that name. Probably know that name from The Office. Because there was the... Where Ryan was talking about how Smokey Robinson died and how he was such a massive fan, and the gen was like, "Name any song that, that Smokey Robinson did." Is one hundred percent how I know who that yeah. is, and <laughs> I still I don't think that qualifies as knowing who that is. It just knows I just no. know the name. Smokey was a singer, songwriter, producer who led the group The Miracles. He was so important, man. <laughs> oh, Smokey. Good old Smokey. The Miracles were the first group that were signed to Motown Records, but they had been with Barry Gordy even before that. Smokey was also the top songwriter and producer for Motown, and he wrote most of their hits from 1962 until 1966. That's not a long time. It's a long time at this point, because there's a lot of songs being released during okay. this point. It's not like today where a band will release an album it's every three years. not like the years. one guy who writes everything. What's the one guy who writes everything? Well, Izzy. Izzy was like probably the most prolific writer we talked about. No, no. I'm talking about present day. He writes literally oh, every oh. song. Max. What's his name? He's a, he's a Swedish guy. Can you guess the name of the <laughs> songwriter before we can? He's like, he has Max Martin. That's a great name. He is the third most number ones behind Paul McCartney and John Lennon. 
Oh, as dude. a songwriter. He's still, he's still got time to pass them. He does, yeah. Okay, anyway. So Smokey is Motown songwriter, producer dude, and the Temptations start working with him, which is a huge deal because Smokey is like the top dog in, in the industry right now. In 1964, under Smokey's direction, they released their first hit song, The Way You Do the Things You Do, which hit number one on the R&B charts and number 11 on the Hot 100 chart. Do you think you know the song at all? No. All right. Well, here it is. So we'll be able to see. Look at them now. I think you do know the song. What song? You right know you could have been a hand. It worked. It's not a song. You know you could have been a broom. The way it smells so sweet. You know you could have been some perfume. Well, you could have been anything that you wanted to. Surprises me. It's a pretty popular one. Alright, well that's their first big hit. So they're no longer the hit list temptations because they had a hit. Now they're the hit list. <laughs> this is a different movie now. This is a sequel. It's okay. a horror. That song would be their first of 37 top 10 songs. Oh, baby. In 1965, again under Smokey's direction, they released... What do you mean direction? Did he like, write it? Yeah, like he's the songwriter, he's the producer, so he's the one who's basically like, sing it this way, do this with it. Okay. They released what would become their signature song, My Girl. My Girl. Yep. Talking about my girl. David sang lead girl. vocals. Ooh. So you can't be mad at David anymore because he was the lead on that song. The song was a massive success and is still incredibly popular. This was the first song that David sang the lead vocals for instead of Eddie or Paul. But after the success of this song, David sang lead on the next three singles. I know we all know My Girl, but I'm going to play it anyway because it can't be a show about the Temptations without playing My Girl. This is from the Temptations movie, apparently. Uh, it, there had to be a movie. Did they just do this? I'm pretty sure I used that move in Showfire. Yes, this is such Showfire vibes. Wow. This is like... Oh, goodness. Oh, look at him with his glasses. He's looking sharp. Oh, Jazz Square. Oh! I've got a sweeter song. Alright, that's you, my girl. You should like this. This is very entertaining. <laughs> and also. Okay. What's I his don't name? I think David? that's the actual Temptations, though, is it? Yeah, David is the singer. The one with the glasses is David. Is that, but is that the actual Temptations, then? 
I don't know, because that's that was a scene from a movie. Oh, uh, so it's not. No, unless they just There's performed no in the movie. There's no way. Because Eddie did have glasses like that. Well, we're not talking about Eddie. Okay, that might have. Who was played Temptations miniseries? Who but played David in the Temptations movie? I don't know. Well, he he I looks fine in his glasses. All right. Regardless. So at this point, a guy named Norman Whitfield desperately wanted to write and produce for The Temptations. Barry Gordy promised him that if their next song with Smokey didn't hit the charts, that Norman could try producing for them. So now we got a little battle between Norman and Smokey going on. So The Temptations released a Smokey song called Get Ready that failed to chart. Get ready, because here I come. So Barry let Norman Get take a stab ready. at recording a single with them. Who are you who are you pulling for? You want Norman or I you want, want Smokey? The underdog, dude. You want Norman? Yeah. All right. Norman Whitfield's songs were pretty different than Smokey's. Smokey focused on gentle pop love songs. The kind we've heard basically throughout this whole That's episode. That's why he got so many number ones. Yep. Norman preferred brass heavy soul inspired songs. Heck yeah. Reminiscent of like James Brown. Bring it, was a it little, on Norman. It was a little harder edged than Smokey's stuff. That's me. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. You were just talking about your time in show choir and jazz square. <laughs> Shut, <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Leave me alone. The Norman song Ain't Too Proud to Beg, featuring Eddie on lead vocals, performed better than the Smokey song that they released. So Smokey was officially out and Norman was in. Why can't they like both do it? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Norman became the group's new main producer. Do you want to hear Ain't Too Proud to Beg? No. It also became like a huge hit for someone else, a female singer. I can't remember. Do you hear a little bit more soul? This is absolutely 100% better. Really? Yeah. I, kinda, I like my girl a lot. I mean, everyone likes my girl, but yeah. like, this is way I more I also like their first one, uh, the way you do the things you do. them looking glasses. so fine he, he's begging no he's he ain't, he ain't too proud to beg he's in bed alright well that's ain't too proud to beg by The Temptations. Through the end of the 60s, The Temptations continued to see tremendous success and released a lot of top 10 hits, a lot of them featuring David on lead vocals. So David was kind of taking over the show at this point. Nice job, David. Even though Norman was their main producer, they still worked with a few others to try different songs and different styles. But around 1967, Norman assumed full production control of The Temptations songs, and their sound shifted to a bit rougher and tougher type of music. I need to hear what this sounds like. We're going to get there. We don't have another song for a little bit, but we'll get there. <sighs> From 1964 to 1968, The Temptations became massively famous. They appeared on all sorts of television, sh television shows, including American Bandstand, The Ed Sullivan Show, and others. 
but I know you wouldn't know them anyway, so I didn't bother writing them down. Sure don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about anything. They achieved crossover success and were popular with the mainstream, not just R&B fans. Good for them. You didn't sound very serious about that good no, for them. No, I am. Okay. By the end of the 60s, David started to get a little cocky. Uh-oh. He would ride to gigs in his own... M- oh, I misread that. He would ride to gigs in his own mink-lined limousine instead of riding with the other four guys. I read milk-lined. <laughs> I was like, he's just strapped with milk in the back of this limousine. Oh Old Al God. is coming back in his milkman days and whatever. <laughs> it's a tie back. <laughs> like, call back to Alvin. All right, I'm sorry. David wanted special treatment as the group's lead singer. David only wanted the brown m ms <laughs> Yes. At this point, the Supremes were renamed Diana Ross and the Supremes. Because, I mean, clearly, it's Diana Ross. So David wanted his group renamed to David Ruffin and the Temptations. David, David, David. He also started to piss off Barry Gordy, which is Definitely not what you wanted to happen at this David, point in music David, history. David, 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 Barry David. Gordy is quite possibly the most powerful man in music at this point. You do not want to be on his bad side. Well, he thought they were besties, so. That's true. All, a lot of this is attributed to David starting to abuse cocaine that regularly uh. made him miss rehearsals and gigs. Uh. So after skipping a performance to watch his new girlfriend, Dean Martin's daughter, perform... Mm. The group officially fired him and replaced him with Dennis Edwards. So now we're on to Dennis. You still got to remember David, though, because he crops back up. What does he do? No wonder there's a movie. This whole thing <laughs> reads exactly yeah, like it's pretty a movie. crazy. All right. Do you remember their names? Another pop quiz. You got the classic five and then you got this new guy. All right. David's gone. Yes. We got Eddie. We got yep. Otis. Yep. Melvin. Yeah. And the guy who did Dennis. the choreography. Yeah, Dennis is the new guy. And Paul. There you go. At first, David accepted the change. But during their first performance with Dennis, David jumped on stage <laughs> and stole the mic to sing lead vocals on Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. David. Naturally, this annoyed the group. I think that that's a little bit of an understatement. But it annoyed them even more when he continued to do it on several different stops on that tour. Oh, they <laughs> really need to get some better <laughs> security. That's despite the group hiring extra security to keep him off stage. He's just so speedy See, on his coke. They <laughs> 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 just can't catch him. There's that, and there's also the thing is like, I wonder if the security guards just thought it was a running thing. Like, it happened at so many shows if they were just like, this is just, like, they're, like, a crowd pleaser. Here's David singing I'm pretty song sure again. they clearly communicated Probably. to their security that it was not just a <laughs> crowd pleaser. Well, somehow David squirreled his way on stage <laughs> for that song several times. At the same time as they picked up Dennis and dropped David, they changed their sound kind of dramatically. They started to incorporate a lot of the psychedelic characteristics that were popular in music at the time. Interesting. It turned a bit more funk and even more soul than their last stuff. One of their songs, called Cloud Nine, 
was a very thinly veiled drug allegory. They also started to get pretty overtly political in their music. Oh, cool. Do you want to hear their drug allegory? Sure. Okay, well, here's Cloud Nine. Oh, trippy. No glasses in the see, I was born and raised in the slums of a city. It was a one-room shack that slept in another chair beside me. We hardly had enough food or room to sleep. It was hard time. Needed something to eat my trouble, man. This is not what I think of when I think of temptation. So this is always weird, like hearing this. Like I think my girl and stuff. It's cool. Yeah. All right, well, it's called mine. You can't just keep doing my girl over and over and over again. That's they have lie. to grow as a creative group. Lil Nas X has released like how many versions of that one song at this point? I don't know. I don't listen to. I I don't know. <laughs> that I mean, what is the name of the song? I don't remember honestly. Actually, Old Town Road. He said quite a few of them. And he's joked about it on Twitter a lot of how he's just going to keep remixing. <laughs> like he put That's the other funny. day, it's like money's running a little low. Might drop a new remix soon. Anyway, That's regardless. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of music took heavy influence from the massive funk groups like Sly and the Family Stone and Funkadelic. All of the group traded lead vocals instead of one having primary lead like the Days of David. Basically, they weren't really a doo-wop group anymore. Still, the songs that they were releasing were massively popular. Can I just say, I love when bands, like... Try new things. Well, yes. But also, I love when, like, there's not one primary vocalist. Yeah. It makes me very, very happy when they trade back and forth between several people. I'm yeah. like, yes, this is infinitely better. And you don't get a David situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the early 70s was marred by a lot of issues within the group, with the remaining four of the classic era lineup. Are they okay? Paul Williams suffered from sickle cell disease. Oh, he's not okay. And heavy depression. Yeah, ow. In the 60s, he started to abuse alcohol and became an alcoholic. His health deteriorated fast until he had to travel with oxygen tanks and he only lip-synced on stage. Oh, buddy. Poor thing. At the same time, Paul's old Primes bandmate, Eddie, started to feel detached from the group. Which, you know, of the two, (laughs) that one's a lot less of an issue. He regularly picked fights with Otis and Melvin, which often turned violent. Eddie thought that Motown was stealing money from them, which they, they probably were. Yeah, which they might have been, and often said he didn't have a say in how Otis handled the group. He didn't like the psychedelic stuff they were doing and preferred the old pop ballads. He rekindled his friendship with David, who tried to convince him to go solo. He lobbied the group to rehire David, but they refused. Yeah, that was a <laughs> burn bridge. He also lobbied for them to go on strike until Motown released their financial information, but they refused that also. All right. 
After several fights, it was agreed that Eddie would be leaving the group. Eddie just got a lot on his mind, man. <laughs> he later stated that he wanted to leave as early as 1965, but he stuck around until 1970 when he officially left the group. So now Eddie's out. So we got two of the Classic Five lineup gone, and Paul not doing so well. Soon after Eddie left, Paul's doctor told him that he shouldn't perform any longer. Yeah. So he left as well. Before they left, Eddie and Paul recorded lead vocals on the song It's Just My Imagination, which turned out to be Eddie's last single with the group. So here is Just My Imagination. To hear Eddie one last time. Another one I'd be surprised if you didn't know. Eddie's last single with the group. Good luck, Eddie. In 1973, at the age of 34, Paul committed suicide in his car after having a huge fight with his girlfriend. Apparently, he professed suicidal thoughts to a lot of the band members a few months before his death, and there's a little bit of speculation around his death. The gun was found to have fired two shots, but they only ever recovered one bullet. And there was also other stuff about, like, his hand position holding it or something. So there's thoughts that he was murdered, but no. Who knows? It was officially ruled a suicide. Mm. So now Paul is gone. And Eddie is out and David is out. They're, like, being replaced at, like, all... Whenever the band members leave, they replace them with someone new. But I'm not bothering to include them because it's too many names already. Right. It's like how Queen isn't Queen. <laughs> exactly. Despite only Otis and Melvin still being around from the original Classic Five lineup, the group continued to have incredible success through the 70s. Hmm. They started to do more funk music and change their sound around still under Norman's direction. So Norman is still sticking around with them. In 1975, they officially left Motown. A few of the replacements left and new people joined, so there's constant like lineup changes happening at this period. A lot happens in this period, obviously, but I don't want this episode to be, like, longer than it already is. And we're focusing on the earlier period in the Classic Five lineup, so I'll just kind of, like, skim over everything that happens from here on out. But I am going to play one song here, because apparently this song was a message from the Temptations to Eddie and David, who are the two who yes. were left and were fired. 
It's called Superstar. And it's apparently like an early diss track. Superstar in parentheses. Remember how you got where you are. So oh, that's a little shoot. Not very subtle. Oh. Don't change your style now that you've reached the top. Don't choose your friends by what they've got. Remember beneath the glitter and gleam, like everyday people, you're just a human being. Superstar, enjoy your champagne and caviar in your chauffeur-driven fancy car. But remember how you got where you are. Because the same old folks that made you, you better believe they can break you. Oh! <laughs> oh! No, you didn't make it all by yourself. You had help from somebody else. The truth is the light. Don't let it depress you. You just be thankful that the good Lord made you. Yeah, that's, yeah. So not very Tell subtle. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> so that was their diss track. After leaving Motown and signing for Atlantic, they tried unsuccessfully to reach the disco market. Which is, you know, not a bad thing. In 1980, after another lineup change... I like change, stuff. Yeah, I like the Bee Gees. They returned to Motown and had a few more hits in the early 80s. The group is still going today, so I'm not going to cover the rest of it. Like, they're still what? a band. <laughs> yeah. Who's still in it? We're just going to wrap up what happened to Eddie, Melvin, David, and Otis. So we're just going to like cover their lives, the rest of their lives, real quick. Okay. Because those are the classic five, yes. minus Paul, who we already know what happened to him. All right, people. Melvin Franklin was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in the Oof. 60s. Oof. So he was taking a lot of cortisone so he could continue performing. And then he got sick. Which left his immune system yep. open to all kinds of bad things. In the 80s, he got diabetes. And then necrotizing fasciitis. Fasciitis. There you go. Also known as flesh-eating disease. Yes. <laughs> in 1978, he was shot in the head trying to stop someone stealing his car. Oh, my God. Despite all of that, he survived until what? he fell into a coma in 1995. He never left the Temptations. Holy So he was cow. in the group from the founding until his death in 1995. That is a resilient dude. Yep. He was also seemed to be like the least dramatic of them. Like he's just kind of there plugging along doing his thing. Melvin Franklin. No, sorry. We just talked about Melvin. Eddie Kendrick's solo career started slowly, but soon started to get a modicum of success on radio with a few songs. The dance craze was very friendly to him. In 1975, fed up with his lack of control over his music, he left Motown despite the fact that his popularity was already on the way down. 
So it's kind of risky to leave like the biggest label when I'm you don't have that many songs. I'm surprised he was songs. with Motown on his own since he was so distrustful of them. Yeah. And he was losing the high range in his voice due to his habit of chain smoking. Mm. He rejoined the Temptations for a reunion tour and album in 1982, but found singing to be difficult. So he went to a doctor and they found some cancer on his vocal cords. But he refused chemo because he didn't want to lose his hair. Already lost his voice, didn't want to lose his hair, I mm -hmm. get it. In 1985, he joined up with David as a duo act and worked with Hall & Oates on some stuff. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. In 1991, Eddie was living in his native Birmingham, Alabama and had one of his lungs removed to stop the spread of cancer. He continued to tour through 1992 before what? passing away from the cancer at the age of 52. He toured with 52? Yeah. I mean, this is like, these guys were getting popular in the 60s, so like we're a little bit beyond where we would normally be. Now you ready for your boy David? <coughs> oh, David. David scored some minor hits during his brief solo career. Some songs with his brother became pretty popular. His solo career initially seemed promising, but quickly declined due to his cocaine addiction and lack of support from Motown, probably because he pissed them off. Mm. His last top ten hit came in 1975. With Eddie, David had a brief period of success again in the 80s thanks to recordings they did with Hall & Oates. But the two duos had a falling out, allegedly because Daryl Hall didn't approve of David's drug use, and David really didn't see any success in music after that period. Apparently, he was a pretty abusive guy, and both Ugh. of his ex-wives gave accounts of abuse and infidelity. So sorry, ladies. He also had a few different legal issues in the later years of his life. Did he now? <laughs> yeah, shocker. What? This man who deserved, <laughs> like, a restraining order and abused his wives <laughs> and cocaine. Yep. In 1991, David Ruffin, David Ruffin suffered a cocaine overdose at a crack house in Pennsylvania. Cool. He passed away at the age of 50. Otis Williams is the only surviving member of the original Temptations. There isn't really a whole lot to say about him, honestly. He has been married a couple times, and he's still a member of the Temptations and owns the rights to the name. So unless someone buys that off of him, he will be a Temptation until he dies. The Temptations were and are a massive group. They influenced so much of the R&B, soul, and funk that came after them. Their songs have been covered by great artists everywhere. Rolling Stone ranked them number 67 on their list of the greatest artists of all time. They are massively important in the American musical history. It's the Temptations. And Who's I think in it now? Oh, I don't know. Otis. Um, one of their members just passed away recently. Mm-hmm. But I think Otis is like the first person we've talked about who is still alive as of the time of this recording. I'm pretty sure everyone else has passed away. I'm trying to find. Oh, they have a whole Wikipedia article called List of the Temptations Band Members. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So we got Otis... We've got Terry Weeks, who's been in it for a while, I think. We got Mario Corbino. We got Ron Tyson. 
got Willie Green. How old is Otis now? Uh, probably not too old. 50s? Everyone else was in their 50s when I was born. Oh, that's true. So he, But he was young. I can't find My him. guess is late 60s. At least. Oh, wow. He's 78. My bad. That makes sense. He was born in 1941. So, yeah, he's 78. Still touring. Holy cow. Yep. Well, I mean, not now, but before COVID, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, very high risk. <laughs> yeah. I think one of their members passed away from COVID, actually. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. Maybe not, but I know they passed away in the last couple months because I was like, was it Otis? Because like, I had already written this episode, yeah. and then I saw the news, and I was like, what? I hope it's not Otis, and it wasn't Otis. I mean, it's sad that it's any of them, but... Yeah, Bruce Williamson Jr. Okay, he wasn't a current member, but he joined the group in 2006 and was there until 2015. And he did pass away from coronavirus. So rest in peace, Bruce Williamson Jr. All right, well, that's The Temptations, ending on a sour note. That was a wild ride. (laughs) I thought you would like this episode because it's a very interesting story. That was a lot. Yep. we're We're getting into some... Getting into some acts here. We're getting into some people. We're getting into the drug use. <laughs> yeah, because then we hit, we talk about the blues part two is next, focusing on like Chicago blues. Then we talk about Muddy Waters. He was a cool dude. And then we go into rhythm and blues and we talk about Little Richard, who is a wild ride. <laughs> Just buckle up for Little Richard. <laughs> I'm not ready. And then we're going to do... Yeah, we're in our little period leading up to the birth of rock and roll. I don't have the mental capacity (laughs) to handle. To handle Little Richard? I don't. Well, hopefully you will in like four weeks. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we do an episode a week until then. God. All right. Well, that's The Temptations. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My girl. You got to do it with me. I can't do all of it. Nope. Goodbye, everyone. Uh